Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi there, welcome back. This is going to be for Isaiah chapter 48. Now, we begin to uh, cover some chapters that are going to also be found in the Book of Mormon. Uh, So this is the same as 1 Nephi chapter 20. So Nephi, in the beginning of the Book of Mormon, is using the words of Isaiah as a witness, a testimony of the truth of the gospel. So let's get into this. Verses 1 to 16, the Lord deals with a stubborn covenant people. Verse 1, hearken and hear this, O house of Jacob, he's talking to church members, who are called by the name of Israel and are come forth out of the waters of Judah or out of the waters of baptism, who swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, yet they swear not in truth nor in righteousness. Church members who make covenants but in hypocrisy, not righteousness. Verse 2, nevertheless, they call themselves of the holy city, but they do not stay themselves upon the God of Israel. In other words, they pretend to rely upon who is the Lord of hosts. Yea, the Lord of hosts is his name. They claim to be part of the church in Zion. Verse 3, Behold, I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth, and I showed them, I did show them suddenly. And I did it because I knew that thou, Israel, art obstinate, and thy neck is an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. These describe church members who are stubborn, unyielding, heart of heart, who will not bow before the Lord, and who will not give their mind or thoughts to the Lord. Verse 5, I have even from the beginning declared to thee, before it came to pass, I showed them thee, and I showed them for fear, lest thou shouldst say, Mine idol hath done them, and my graven image, and my molten image hath commanded them. Thou hast seen and heard all this, and will ye not declare them? And that I have showed thee new things from this time, in other words, revelations, even hidden things, like in the temple, and thou didst not know them? They are created now, and not from the beginning, even before the day when thou heardest them not, they were declared unto thee, lest thou shouldst say, Behold, I knew them. Yea, and thou heardest not, yea, thou knewest not, yea, from that time thine ear was not opened, for I knew that thou wouldst deal very treacherously, and was called a transgressor from the womb. Church members unwilling to obey the Lord, who are betrayers and known as sinners from the beginning." Verse 9, Nevertheless, for my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for my praise will I refrain from thee, that I cut thee not off. For behold, I have refined thee, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Bruce R. McConkie said, Called to what? Chosen for what? Called into the church, but chosen to be sealed up unto eternal life, and to have one's calling and election made sure. Orson F. Whitney said, No pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure it patiently, builds up our characters, purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable, more worthy to be called the children of God. And it is through sorrow and suffering, toil and tribulation, that we gain the education that we came here to acquire and which will make us more like our father and mother in heaven. Neil A. Maxwell said, The Lord has said, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. He knows, being omniscient, how we will cope with affliction beforehand. But we do not know this. We need, therefore, the refining that God gives to us, though we do not seek or crave such tribulation. 
Is not our struggling amid suffering and chastening in a way like the efforts of the baby chicken still in the egg? It must painfully and patiently make its own way out of the shell. To help the chick by breaking the egg for it would kill it. Unless it struggles itself to break outside its initial constraints, it may not have the strength to survive thereafter. Afflictions cannot, can soften us and sweeten us and can be a chastening influence. We often think of chastening as something being done to punish us, such as by a mortal tutor who is angry and peevish with us. Divine chastening, however, is a form of learning, and it is administered at the hands of a loving father. James E. Faust said, In the pain, the agony, and the heroic endeavors of life, we pass through the refiner's fire, and the insignificant and the unimportant in our lives can melt away like dross and make our faith bright, intact, and strong. This change comes about through a refining process, which often seems cruel and hard. In this way, the soul can become like soft clay in the hands of the master. Verse 11, For mine own sake, yea, for mine own sake, will I do this, for I will not suffer my name to be polluted, and I will not give my glory unto another. Though these church members have been rebellious, the Lord knows they will be refined through affliction, and thus he will continue to qualify to receive his glory. Verse 12, Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. For I am he, I am the first, and I am also the last. The phrase, my called, has reference to the foreordination given those born into the house of Israel to be the ministers of salvation to all other peoples of the earth. That was by Millet and McConkie. Verse 13, Mine hand hath also laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. I call unto them, and they stand up together. Joseph Fielding Smith said, The showing favor to the right hand or side is not something invented by man, but was revealed from the, from the heavens in the beginning. There are numerous passages in the scriptures referring to the right hand, indicating that it is a symbol of righteousness and was used in the making of covenants. The right hand or side is called the dexter and the left the sinister. Dexter connotes something favorable, sinistered something unfavorable or unfortunate. It is a well-established practice in the church to partake of the sacrament with the right hand and also to anoint with the right hand, according to the custom which the scriptures indicate is and always was approved by divine injunction. Verse 14, All ye assemble yourselves, and hear who among them hath declared these things unto them. The Lord hath loved him, yea, and will fulfill his word which he hath declared by them, and he will do his pleasure. Cyrus will do his desire or wish on Babylon, the wicked, and his arm shall come upon the Chaldeans. And Chaldeans here means the, the learned. Verse 15, Also saith the Lord, I the Lord, yea, I have spoken, yea, I have called him to declare, I have brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. Come ye near unto me. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that I was declared have I spoken, and the Lord God and his Spirit hath sent me. Joseph Smith said, We know not what we shall be called past what we shall be called to pass through before Zion is delivered and established. Therefore, we have great need to live near to God and always to be in strict obedience to all his commandments, that we may have a conscience void of offense toward God and man. Verses 17 to 19 are blessings that God desired for Israel. 17, And thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I have sent him, the Lord thy God, who teacheth thee to profit, who leadeth thee by the way thou shouldst go, hath done it. O oh, that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also has, had been as the sand, and the, the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. If errant church members had been obedient, they could have enjoyed a renewal of the promise of Abraham. Verses 20 to 22 is the song of the flight from Babylon. 
Verse 20, Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans, with the voice of singing, declare ye, tell this, utter it even to the end of the earth, say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob. Elder Maxwell said, Even if we decide to leave Babylon, some of us endeavor to keep a second residence there, or we commute on weekends. To quote President Mary and G. Romney, some go on trying to serve the Lord without offending the devil. Why do some of our youth risk engaging in ritual prodigalism, intending to spend a season rebelling and acting out in Babylon and succumbing to that devilishly democratic everybody does it? Crowds cannot make right what God has declared to be wrong. Though planning to return later, many such stragglers find that alcohol, drugs, and pornography will not let go easily. Babylon does not give exit permits gladly. It is an ironic implementation of that ancient boast, one soul shall not be lost. The Lord promised that after 70 years they would return from Babylon to the land of their inheritance. And Jeremiah it says, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you, and causing you to return to this place. This also refers to Elder McConkie's statement, When the lost and scattered sheep of Israel find place again in the fold of their ancient shepherd, they do so by forsaking the world and joining the true church. They leave the deserts of sin and lie down in the green pastures. They leave Babylon and returned to Zion. Verse 21, And they thirsted not, he led them through the deserts, he caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them, he clave the rock also, and the waters gushed out. In other words, revelation will flow abundantly, even though he's mentioning here things that happened to the children of Israel. The symbolism is that the waters coming out indicates revelation flowing. Verse 22, And notwithstanding he hath done all this, and greater also, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. In other words, miracles don't redeem. So we need to always be constantly vigilant and keeping the Lord's commandments to to warrant uh, the ability to hear him. This I say in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.